You're listening to the Geekscape Network. Time to fire up the VCR. This one's my favorite. Welcome to Analog Jones and the Tempo Film. I'm Steve. And I'm Matt. And we're a VHS podcast that looks at the box art trailers behind the scenes. And we're in week two of my animation month. And we did The Secret of Nim. Aurora and Don Bluth Productions present a classic adventure in motion picture entertainment. I must tell you about Nim. Look there. It's a fantasy with wizards and villains. And heroes. I ain't scared of nothing. I'm not even afraid of the great owl. Will you hush up? Come on. It's an odyssey to another world. A world of fantasy and enchantment. To what you see and hear, you must swear absolute secrecy. It's the most beautiful sight I've ever seen. Do you like me? Of course I like you. It's a story of friendship. I mean, you don't think I'm clumsy or anything. What? I just need a few pointers to polish my style. I told you you'd love flying. I don't know how I let you talk me into this. It's a classic story of courage. Why have you come? Well, Matt, this is the first time you watched it, right? Uh, since I was a little kid, yeah. I haven't seen this in 25 years, probably. <laughs> Did you remember any of it? I guess just sort of the look of the movie, and I guess I sort of remember the characters, but like the plot, no, I didn't remember any of it. Yeah, this was one that when I looked at the box art as a kid, I kind of didn't want to rent it. Oh, yeah. No, this was not my wheelhouse. This was not my kind of stuff that I was picking up. This was not where I was, my area of interest was. <laughs> no, I don't remember why I ended up seeing this as a kid. Probably in the late 80s when I was around eight or something. But then I really liked it because it fascinated me. I think, yeah, I probably I just ended up seeing it when I sort of exhausted all the ones that I, you know, I was like, well, I've never seen this one, so I guess I'll see this one. <laughs> you know, I, I exhausted sort of all the ones that hit all the boxes for me because this was not one that I would have ran to pick up right away. But I know I had seen it at some point. It's an expensive animation for a first-time Bluth um, Pictures or whatever they were called when they did this. It's a $7 million animation. Wow. That's pretty, yeah, that's a pretty big movie. Yeah, this was the, you know, the angry animators that left Disney. This was them doing everything that they always wanted to do while at Disney. Like the lights behind the uh, Great Owl or the Old Owl, whatever it was. I think it was the Great Owl, where like the lights shine through his eyes. That's awesome. But you know that was incredibly difficult to do and expensive, time-consuming. It does feel like, though, like an anti-Disney sort of, yeah, coming together of creatives to do something... Very much different from what else was coming out around that same time. Yes, and it's mouse rat kind of like you yeah. know. So it was it was kind of like, hey Disney, we can do our own mouse movie too. Right, and then it's 
this, which is kind of a crazy thing. <laughs> yeah, this it feels like it was too dark to ever be a Disney film. Yeah. But then I remember, like, didn't the great Mouse Detectives, that was mid-80s. It was a couple years after this Disney did. Yeah. I remember that one being really dark, and I remember really liking Evil Mouse and that. It wasn't Moriarty. It was whatever. I don't I don't know the mouse's name from that. I can't remember. But it was like it was an evil rat or something. God, I fucking love Great Mouse Detective growing up. That one was one I exhausted. That one I watched yeah. all the time. That that that's that's one of my favorite Disney movies for sure. Disney animated movies. This is I I don't know if this would play well with kids now. Yeah, I don't think they would hold their attention. No. Honestly. I just don't I, think they care. They'd care about this. No, it it's it's slow. It it really takes some time to put together the story mm. and but it is one of those like going down the rabbit hole movies you know like you had no idea this world was beneath you but it is right and then you keep traveling down and it gets bigger and bigger exploring a world type thing yeah, yeah. alice in wonderland mm-hmm. so, absolutely absolutely it is it's based off a book a child's novel have you ever heard of mrs frisbee and the rats of nim no well, that's what this is based on <laughs> and did you notice her name was mrs brisby in the film yeah. And not... Frisbee. So why, frisbee. why is that? Because of the Frisbee. Oh, they wouldn't let that fly? They were afraid that they'd get sued. Oh, okay. And they just wanted to avoid that. So they're like, eh, close enough. Yeah. Okay. Hey, that works. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Pretty simple. They just didn't want to go to court just in case something happened. So, okay. Yeah. Nice. That's it. So uh, explain the box art if you're going to pick this up in a rental store. So we're taking a look at this. This is MGM Cartoon Movie Stars. There's a little banner on the top here. And then we have like the, I guess, very 80s image of like, you've got the rats kind of going around this wreath that surrounds the title Secret of Nim. We see uh, various versions of, I think only two different versions of our lead and then the crow. So we see them on top of the title, and then we see them kind of in the foreground. We see the other, like, mice pointing and laughing at the crow because he's kind of our comedic relief in the movie. We see the old wise wizard, or owl, wizard. We were just talking about wizards. The old wise owl that's, uh, that tells, sort of is our exposition for the movie in the foreground as well. With just, yeah, like this trees, forest, light kind of background. This looks a little gentle. For me, I think that's why I'm passing it up. I feel like in my eight-year-old brain, I'm like, this is for little kids when I see this cover. That's exactly probably what I thought as a kid. That's probably why my grandma rented it or bought it for me. Is this is this that? No, this was. I believe this is. Let me look up because there was a number of Secret and M. You had the original one, but I don't think the original came out. VHS came out until years after this. I think like the first one was an '86 release. And you've got, this one's an 88 release here, so. Yeah, this is 88, so I think this was the one that came out. We are looking up the VHScollector.com. Thank you, everyone, for archiving. See, yeah, there's only two that I know of. The one you're holding, which is the 90 release. Oh, wait, did you say yours? It said. Well, it says on on this box here, 88, but it's the exact same cover, so I wonder 
just 88, 90, this is the same one that just came out. It says 88 on here. Though. Yeah, because it, it says 90 on VHS Collector, but maybe they got it wrong. Who knows? Yeah, I, I'm think this is the one, and then this must be the first one. This is the first one. This one's hard to find. I have never seen this in the wild. Yeah, I remember these MGM book boxes, yes. though, because yeah. I have a Pope of Greenwich Village in, that, in a book box like this. Uh, MGM had all their titles come out in these weird boxes that opened up and had like more information on the film when you opened yes, up the yeah. thing yeah that was probably way too expensive for them to keep uh yeah printing like, nah, just put a slip case on it fuck it <laughs> like I, we don't need it to stand out on the shelves that much i believe the mid 80s had a lot more interesting boxes yeah the, the early 80s mid 80s uh because it was part of like that was part of like when you had to rent things from like clubs movie clubs and stuff like that yeah, this is in the beginning of video stores, yeah. the very beginning. So, like, you had to stand out. You had to have a big box or you had to have some sort of, like, way to stand out. Like, a weird shape of your box, something like that. They were that. massive. Yeah, it was, it was pretty funny. It was a pretty fun time for movie buying before the slipcase. Uh, easy access, mm-hmm. uh, easy collectors stuff started. Uh, for the home video market, but for the rental and early tape market, yeah, big box. And then you had the clamshells, the plastic, so mm. much plastic. So much plastic. Plastic around plastic. Yeah. <laughs> but this uh, this uh, 88 release, this is uh, what, what we've got on the back here. Purely delicious. A perfect treat for the entire family from Rex Reed. And then Secret of Nim. We got a couple images of the characters kind of around the block, the the description block here and this is what it, this is what it's about if you don't know what the secret of nim is about heartwarming enchanting and beautifully crafted this magical cartoon fantasy marks a new era era for animation gorgeous to look at raves time magazine it'll delight kids everywhere from newsweek an extravaganza of dazzling animation the secret of nim is based on robert o'brien's award-winning tale of a timid mouse who becomes a heroine in spite of herself trying to save her house from farmer fitzgibbon's plow Miss Brisby, the mother mouse, gets help from a wonderfully klutzy crow, a wise owl, and highly intelligent rats. You'll marvel at the impressive abode of the great owl and the Oz-like kingdom of the mysterious rats. And you'll be mesmerized by Nicodemus, the dignified leader of the rats, and the climactic showdown between two swashbuckling ratversaries. The fun, yep. <laughs> the fun drama and suspense are brought to life by the voices of Dom DeLuise, John Carradine, Derek Jacoby, Hermione Bradley, and Elizabeth Hartman. Oscar winner Jerry Goldsmith's music beautifully underscores every mood. The Secret of Nim is sheer delight. Share it with someone you love. My man, Dom DeLuise! <laughs> I forgot he was a voice in this when I watched this movie because it had been years since I've watched this. As soon as he came on as Jeremy the Crow, I was like, yes! That probably was the thing that attracted me to this movie as a kid. I probably heard him while this was on TV or something one day and then I left it on because like, we've talked about it before. Dom DeLuise is funny, man. And for kids, he's just like catnip, man. (laughs) I watched an entire movie that you gave me about him just cooking. And it was fantastic. Yes. Yes. So he's he's a super watchable and magnetic guy. So <laughs> that's probably the reason that got me drawn into this one as a kid or why I had seen it at least the one time that I have. Still, one of these days, I'm going to find Going Bananas, the canon gorilla film. We'll, we'll, we'll fight it. We'll bump into it someday. 
Is he's in it? I, I think he's. Is he in that? I remember it's the, also the kid from Over the Top. Nice. Uh, nice. Whatever, whatever that kid's <laughs> name is, I forgot it. Uh, but uh, anyway, uh, more about how great Dom Delweys is. <laughs> yeah, I, I just even the description on the back, uh, you know, it it just feels safe. Yeah, I don't. I still even think if I read the back, I don't know if I'd pick this up. Now, if I knew they were lab rats being experimented on and they yeah. they grew super hyper intelligence, then I might be like, hold on, what's this one about? <laughs> then I might be a little more interested as a kid. But the sort of safe quest thing that they've presenting on the back here is not going to be of interest to me at all. Probably, it's pretty dark when you know. We'll we'll pop this tape in. Well, let's do it. Let's pop the tape in. And now, our feature presentation. No trailers. No trailers. We just get right into the movie. Yeah, so let's just talk about it. I mean, rats get experimented on and then get super intelligence. They're like mutants. Yes. We talk about Dom DeLuise. We talk about the the experimentation. Those are the only two things I like in this movie. <laughs> I could see that because the rest of it's kind of fantasy realm this is totally like yeah we talked about it in the last episode i didn't really like like fantasy stuff from this time i just didn't like any of it and like i don't know why it just never clicked with me i i think it's it's too it's too boring for me is like it's not what i'm into i just don't like fantasy stuff but this movie like it reminds me mostly of like a dark crystal where it's like a quest movie but everything's quiet Everything's real gentle. Everything's real ethereal. And I'm just like, I need a little bit of life. Give me a little something. <laughs> I think that's something that Don Bluth, like production company, struggled with. Yeah. And I like, I like the American Tale movies, and we talked about Five O before, but like this, uh, this kind of, this kind of stuff, like early on, yeah, it feels very dark crystally, and it's just like I didn't grow up with this, you know. Like I didn't grow up with dark crystal. I didn't grow up with Secret and Him. I understand why it has like the fans it does with the people that grew up with it. But as somebody who didn't necessarily grow up with this, didn't grow up with dark crystal, didn't grow up with like fantasy stuff like this, doesn't do anything for me. Yeah, I wonder if they stuck in Dom Delweese's character Jeremy, who feels like he's in a different movie, for the sheer fact that this movie needs life. Yeah, it's very still. It's very quiet. Even when there's threats, it's still all on the same level. Like, whether it's a threat or a calm scene, everything kind of plays out the same beat. Now, this this was really about a bunch of animators who were really, really good at their craft, pushing the limits of what they could do, and then, like, just basing it off a book, but you kind of needed someone to freshen up the script a little bit, add a little bit more life, get some layers of personality... I feel like like one of the most forgettable characters is Justin, like the hero rat, the captain of the guard, mm-hmm. who I just like forget about. Yeah, no, he's not interesting. I mean, obviously, he's uh, boring as shit. Miss Brisby, you know, is your lead, and Jeremy the Crow, like those are your two. Everybody else, very forgettable in this for me. Yeah, like, mine, mine was yeah three characters. Miss Frisbee's interesting because she's. You know, kind of like I've, you know, got to be courageous in the world that I'm terrified of. Yeah. But she's doing it because for all the right reasons. Yeah, she's got to save her kid, basically. And then then Jeremy's just, or um, yeah, Jeremy the Crow is just funny. Dom Delweese, watch him all day. And then you had the Great Owl, which is actually just, you know, an exposition drop. Yeah, exactly. There is a way. Go to the rats. 
But I don't know any rats. In the rose bush. Oh, yes. Near the farmhouse. Go there. Ask for Nicodemus. Nicodemus? But how can they help? They must move your house to the lee of the stone. No rat could move my house. It's... They have ways. I don't understand, but I will do as you say. It is night. I must go. So, I don't know. This is... This is textbook not my kind of movie and like also too when it's like all this one tone and like all this sort of very gentle whatever when i'm watching it it makes me anxious like i feel like like i i I get anxious watching it i'm like it's all one tone it's 90 minutes or in this case 84 minutes of one tone and it like freaks me out (laughs) i need the <laughs> yeah, you need the up and down. You especially because you just like you're attracted to the nonsense. Yeah. So this movie is no nonsense. Yeah, it's just straight all the way down. And I'm just like, nope, not for me. Yeah. <laughs> so this is probably a struggle for you to watch. It was because I was anxious the whole time, and I kept I kept being intermittently either bored or just like just not interested. Like this is not my kind of movie. There's your key word. This movie drags and it, it gets boring at points. There's too many boring points. In an 84-minute movie, this movie felt like it was three hours long for me watching it. And I don't, and I can't like outwardly say that I hate this movie because like I don't. I appreciate the animation style. I appreciate the fact that it it's a little button pushing for kids too. It's a little edgier than like say maybe something Disney would have put out at the time. I like all those things about it. I like some of the characters like uh, Brisby and the Crow, but like. I don't like it. Like, I don't like it. And it felt long. And it felt like it dragged for me. Like, it felt like a chore to watch. Yeah, I don't know when the book came out. But to me, this feels just like something that you used to read your kids go to bed. Where it's like, kind of like, it's it's a little scary. Like, you want kids to deal with the emotion of fear. You don't want to hide it from them. It's, it's a real thing. But you're reading it to them. And it's kind of just, you know, going on its little adventure. Maybe the book's a little bit better. But I feel like, yeah, I could fall asleep to this a couple nights. And then before we know about four nights in, like, oh, we finished the book. Yeah, I honestly should have watched this movie like at the end of the night. But I actually watched this at like the beginning of a day. And I think it made me stressed out all day long (laughs) (laughs) because I was anxious of how it it was so one toned. (laughs) That's hilarious. I love that I could make you anxious watching this movie. But let's let's get into the characters here. We already talked about Miss Prisby. (laughs) Prisby. But Nicodemus, that was one, every time he was, he was so slow with his talking. Yeah. Another thing that probably stressed me out was just say it, just fucking, just say what you need to say. Just give her the amulet. Let's get on with this. But uh, he was cool looking. The the concept art in a lot of this movie is fantastic. And you can really tell it's done by some seriously good pros. Yeah, like the it was Nicodemus that had like the sword thing, right? So every time like he turned it, it would like shine in the, the animation yeah. of what. It, yeah, it looked cool. But Nicodemus was kind of like a uh, MacGuffin, where it was kind of a throwaway. You thought that he was going to be the whole quest, and you kind of get the amulet, and that's kind of it. Yeah, and then when they kill him, you're just like, oh, well, he's dead. Yeah, he he's he doesn't he feels more important at the beginning than he actually ends up being. Yeah, uh, the Great Owl uh, could not... Like, when I was watching this, I go, whose voice is that? I just kept staring, and I didn't want to get on my phone. 
I was just like, who is that? And I thought about it. Wait, I think I missed parts of this movie because I was like, who is that? Yeah. I heard that old man's voice. It's David Carradine. John Carradine. I mean, John Carradine. Yeah, Papa um, Carradine. Pff, Top wrong, Carradine. Wrong Carradine. But <laughs> yeah, I, I, I like his voice for these animations. He's got something that's creepy, but kind of just mesmerizing. Like I, I could listen to the Owl Drop exposition. There's no problem, but uh, halfway through the owl, I'm like, okay, so you're just telling the whole story. Yeah, base, and that's basically what he does. He like catches us up to what we've been seeing. Yeah, because I was I was a little uh, lost too, where I was like, okay, I think I know what's going on here, but like, there's a lot at once you're throwing at me, and he sort of straightened it out for me a little bit, but like too little, too late for me at that point. Like I was already pretty checked out by the time the owl does his big exposition dump uh, two thirds into the movie. Yeah, and we find out that Jonathan, which is Mrs. Frisbee's, um, well, she's a widower, yeah. and Jonathan was her husband. He died from Dragon the Cat. Thank you for the honk, if you guys <laughs> heard that. Dragon the Cat killed Jonathan. Yes. and But you don't know why at the beginning, and then later you find out it's because only a mouse can fit through the hole to drug Dragon the Cat so the rats can leave the rose bush and get out and get their own technology and electricity because mm-hmm. they're stealing electricity from the Fitzgibbons mm-hmm. farm. Yep. Is it Fitzgibbons? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the whole thing that like gets this whole movie going is Miss Brisby Frisbee, whatever has four kids and one of them sick, Timmy who gets like, um, what was it? Pneumonia. Something like that. Yeah. And Mr. Ages, which is a friend of Jonathan, and like the doctor slash chemist slash magician of the mouse community. Mm-hmm. So he gives her medicine for Timmy's um, pneumonia. But he's like, but you can't move him for three weeks or I'll die. <laughs> and it's, but we have to go because the Fitzgibbons are going to plow the fields, yeah. which means I guess everyone leaves. Yeah. And then they come back, I guess, at some point. I don't I don't know if they're like permanently leaving or if this is just like something they do every year. I don't know. Maybe they're going to hibernate for winter. I, I don't know. They don't really explain it. They just have to get the hell out of town. Right. Before they get plowed to death. And so underneath them ends up they're super intelligent rats who were experimented at NIM. And I forgot NIM stands for I'll get into it later, but I forgot what it was. But basically, Nicodemus also is an exposition drop because he explains that Jonathan saved the rats from the lab mm. by like releasing them, and so he became respected from the rats. And I get he lived an entire different life that he never told Mrs. Brisby about. Yeah, that he was this big hero for the intelligent rat community. Yeah, he was like, the guy that got him out. Yeah, so he lived a second life. Yeah. It's weird. I always find that, like, as an adult, I'm like, why wouldn't you tell her? <laughs> Want to leave his hero past behind. Yeah, I don't know. I just found that really weird. And then I, I the, um, so Jenner, the bad rat, the one who's, which I, I was getting Professor Radigan vibes from. That's the name of the Great Mouse Detective, mm. Um, mm. which came out four years later. And was much better of a movie. <laughs> Yeah, but still, neither of them are very light. Or the Great Mouse Detective is during the dark period of Disney. Yeah, like the Disney Dead era. Yeah, but I like that movie a whole lot. 
I wonder if we... Yeah, I have to rewatch it. I wonder if I liked it as a kid, but as an adult, I'd get the same thing from this where it's a little like, eh. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't tried to watch that as an adult, but I loved that one as a kid. Yeah, man. Ooh, this one ruined my day. <laughs> this one wrecked me for an entire 24 hours, though. <laughs> yeah, the, the problem with also with Jenner... I mean, he had Sullivan, which is like his minion that like was mostly just following him around. He actually didn't want to be evil. He didn't want to kill Nicodemus. He just was kind of like falling. Jenner, so Sullivan, uh, you know, like Jenner is just doing this for power. It's so boring what he's, what's motivating him. Like, oh, you just want to be the leader? And he doesn't want them to leave. Well, and you have, he's, I still feel like even though he's sort of like the villain, he's the, he's a least or a less interesting villain than sort of like just having the threat of the cat and the farmers. You know, like I feel like that's the looming threat. This is so secondary that I just don't care. Yeah, like the plow is what's getting this, you know, makes the story move. But then they throw in Jenner and you're like, wait, so who's the enemy here? And at the end of the day, the farmers aren't even the enemies. No, they're not the enemy. But like, I like the fact that like that is what they have to survive. Throwing in another villain like this just seems like overkill. Like, I don't need it. I didn't need this. And like, he's so he's so not part of the first part of this movie no that like why it just seems so tacked on it just seems like they're like oh well we have to have the quote-unquote protagonist or the antagonist you're like yeah but you already had the plow which was the antagonist yeah which you know like her and that aunt shrew or whatever the aunt's name is i don't even remember because i don't care i think it was auntie shrew you know the loudmouth one Mm -hmm. but yeah i i just you know, they shut down the plow, which gives them a little bit of time to buy for Timmy because she has to go down in the rose bush to get the rats to move her cinder block home. Mm-hmm. And then Nicodemus gives her an amulet that basically gives whoever's wearing it, if they if they have courage or show courage, it gives them powers. It gives them like, you know, mom strength. Like they talk about when they flip a car with a baby yeah. in it or whatever, like that kind of thing. Like that's what it is. Yeah, it's it's because uh, she like lifts the house like this, at the, the end. The whole magic thing is weird because you have like rats getting experience, so you have a lot of science and technology in this. But then you also mix this magic, and I don't like with wizards. I got it. Magic, you know, like Ralph Baskey's like, yeah, you know, too much science kind of takes the soul and magic away from the world. So I I got his whole thing with wizards. Like with this one, I'm like, wait, what? Why can't we just have science? Yeah, and sort of like I. So I watched I watched these back to back during the day. I watched wizards and then this just immediately like a double feature right after each other. And yeah, it made me like this one is it's doing science and magic, but like I don't buy it in this world at all. Like you know what I mean? Like it's no, like no. I just came off of something where it makes sense, and then like jumping into here, I'm just like I don't buy it. I immediately see through it, and I'm like, nope, not nope, I don't buy it. <laughs> I kind of forgot about. I mean, other than the amulet being around Miss Brisby's neck the entire time it was way too big for her. And then before you know it, at the end, you're like, oh, now she's gonna use the magic. I was kind of like, oh, I don't care. Yeah, no, like by the end, like when she's doing her triumphant lifting of the the house thing i'm just like eh. Eh. part of me eh. part of me just would have it have been funnier if the rats would have went down and miss brisby and like what what was his name by the way there's too many damn jays in this movie jeremy the crow justin the hero rat and jenner the bad rat 
Stop with the J's. Because <laughs> I have a hard time remembering all of them. I think it would have been better if the rats would have saved them and her house would have sunk. But the rats would have been like, to pay you back, to, you know, we'll rebuild, we'll make you a house. Because they're super intelligent rats. Right. If they would have like built her a house that was, you know, protecting her. I, I don't know, something like that. I think that would have been much better than her like, oh, now I have magic powers to lift the cinder block home and move it. If you're going to do magic, do magic, you know, like have Nicodemus cure. Well, I guess Nicodemus dies. Someone have magic that cures Timmy of his pneumonia. You know, like if you're going to do that instead of giving him medicine. Yeah, I don't know. There, it, it, it's more that that like thing that I talk about never liking in movies when it's so like a half measure where it's like, oh, and there's it's like it's such an afterthought thing. It's like, oh, and there's magic here. And it's like, uh, but it's like either give me all of the magic or like. Don't just give me one scene of the magic. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's too much of a half measure for me to care. So talking about the whole NIM, you know, because a lot of people get confused. What does that even stand for? National Institute of Mental Health? I just, like, to me, I was trying to figure out, I go, what, are, we, are we saying something here? I guess, like, don't experiment on animals? Yeah, oh, yeah. This is absolutely, yeah. like, the, the fallout of experimenting on animals and, uh, you know, science being pushed too far, you know, all that yeah. stuff. Like, it's it's those tropes. Yeah, like, I kind of just get tired of science's bad trope. Yeah. Yeah, and here, it's one of the more exciting parts of the movie, but again, it, it's it's in one part of the exposition when we see sort of their... He's telling the story, and we see the escape of Jonathan and the other rats, and then that's it. Then we then we drop the, the, yeah. the science and the experimentation stuff. It, but it is a highlight, but it, again, it's not enough. Yeah. I felt really bad at the climax of this movie because, like, so they're moving her house with, like, ropes and pulleys, and then Jenner sabotages it and, the you know, the kills Nicodemus, and then Justin comes and gets into a fight with Jenner, and Jenner stabs his friend, who his friend ends up solving, actually kills Jenner at the end to, like, I don't know, like, uh, just his character kind of, like, helps save the day, even though he was part of the whole plan of, you know, killing Nicodemus. But he's just like, I don't want to be like this. But they both die, Jenner and Sullivan. Yeah. So, bad guy's dead, bye. Yep, end and of then, the story. <laughs> and then they lift the house, or she lifts the house with the amulet, and because there was, like, a thunderstorm, so the house was sinking in the mud. Yeah. And at the end, when it was over, I was like, well, that's good, it's almost done. That's how I felt. Yeah. And I felt bad. Because, yeah. you know, this animation's beautiful, but... It's like, thank God they're wrapping up this story. <laughs> and I felt bad, and I remember liking this movie a lot more, but I... Yeah, I... I don't know if I fully recommend... I think only people who appreciate animation will want to watch this. Yeah, and I would I would say if you didn't grow up with it like me, like, it's, it's too late now, you know, to go back and revisit now. I don't think it's gonna... Unless you grew up with stuff like this, I don't know. Uh, I don't recommend it for sure. Yeah, I kind of get why Disney turned it down. Yeah, it's just not. I again, I could see the edginess of it, and I guess I appreciate that. But like, but the story's just flat, man. Well, and they, I I do get Disney's excuse why it's like, well, we already have a mouse in Mickey Mouse, and we just did the Rescuers like in the middle of the seventies. So yeah. you know, I, I guess Don Bluth and his his friends, you know, they're kind of like, well. F you, we're going to leave and do our own thing, which I'm glad they did because, you know, we got, you know, the land before time, which I think is like the peak Don Bluth movie. 
Land Before Time. I li- you know I like the American Tale movies. Um, but uh, yeah, that's that's it for me. Not my thing. Yeah. <laughs> I just think Ducky's awesome. <laughs> but with this one, I was like, uh, yeah, you needed you needed someone to polish up the script before you went and did this because you needed more life in this. But you know, it cost seven million dollars. It made fourteen million, almost fifteen million in the box office. And that's a good thing. It's a good thing. So we could get more non-Disney animations. And it's not so much I'm ripping on Disney that here. It's just like Disney was the the only ones coming out with stuff. Well, yeah, it was a monopoly. Part. It was a monopoly. And it's nice to see that monopoly broken up by other super talented people. You know? And it forced Disney to become better. Yeah. So was, thank God. Yeah. Because <laughs> then, you know, we got the, the Little Mermaid, Aladdin... Uh, the Lion King and and then the Lion King is like peak of the mountain top of the mountain even though they stole it I don't care they did it better <laughs> but they did steal it yeah Let's be completely they, completely they Disney are thieves but uh hey if you're gonna steal do it like that <laughs> <laughs> but the Lion King is a banger of a movie so <laughs> yeah. I mean when you get Elton John to write yeah. the music okay yeah, yeah. it's okay. a it's a banger I love the day I found out that thing was stolen. I'm like, wow, you guys didn't give a shit. You just <laughs> totally stole it. Did that in Toy Story. Toy Story was super stolen too, but nah. But that wasn't Disney. It was Pixar. Yeah, they did that. <laughs> but again, if you're gonna steal it, boom. I don't. What was Toy Story stolen from? A TV movie. I think it was in the '80s. Aired, and it's very similar. A lot of similarities, like uh, sh- scenes similarities, not just plot similarities. So. Yeah, well, yep. <laughs> <laughs> they steal. That's what they do. And they do it well. So the movies that came out at the same time for this, I, I just, one of them, one of the names caught my eyes. We can sit here and uh, an officer and a gentleman, everyone's heard of that. That was the big movie in July 1982, two months after I was born. Uh, the Best Little Whorehouse in Texas is the one where I was like, what? Yeah. Dolly Parton. It was, that was a popular movie. That was a really popular movie when that came out. I tell you what, there's two family movies in this month that really probably hurt this movie. Uh, we had Tron. Yeah. Which I, I don't know what it looks like. This was at the end of its run, probably. In the, I, I think Tron came out in like June. June of 1982. I, I'm not for certain, but it looks like 7 of 9 there. Or is that the date it opened? Oh, no, no. It came out. Yeah, this was a July movie. I thought Tron would make more mo- money than that. Was well, it is that its total gross? No, it's overall, not total. It's just this July. Month. Yeah, still thirty three million. I yeah. thought I thought Tron was a huge movie. Yeah, I don't know. I don't uh, know. Young Doctors in Love. Don't know the world according to Garp. Garp. Never saw it. I don't know what that is. A re release. This is the other problem. A re release of Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah, I mean twenty one million in that month. Not a ton, but still enough to steal from something like The Secret of M. Absolutely. Night Shift, I think I've heard of that. That's yeah, it's Michael Keaton, Henry Winkler comedy, yep. Ron Howard movie. It's super funny. Six Pack, Zapped. I don't know what these Z- are. Oh, Zapped is funny. Have you never seen Zapped? Nope. Oh man, we should talk about Zapped one day. Very problematic. <laughs> oh really? <laughs> problematic? What do you mean? 
Uh, it's just an early '80s sex comedy, so of course it's problematic. Oh, but it's, it's one of those. But it, yeah, I remember really enjoying it as a kid. I think it's it's Scott Baio. Scott Baio. Yeah, it has no, like no. The, the power to like point and make things happen. Oh, so women. It's so a lot of people. Yeah, a lot of people end up without clothes. Uh, All right. Well, it's not popping up. Forget it. We'll just have to look it up. I, do you have the movie? No. Ah, yeah. I've never even heard of it, so. Uh, even if I saw it, I wouldn't know. <laughs> different time. It was a different yeah, time. Definitely that. <laughs> Oof. I don't have much to talk about either. I uh, I sat and watched this whole thing, but I just didn't get anything out of it. Really just didn't get anything out of it here. Nope. It just ends, and I was like, okay, let's move on to the museum. <laughs> This is the second time I've had to reclaim my property from you. That belongs in a museum. So do you. This is the part of the show where we go out in the film jungle and put and grab something and put it in our museum, good or bad. That's what we do. We're like, Indy, I'm going to let you go first. For me, this this whole thing is kind of just a lump of coal. Uh, it's kind of a lost cause for me. Yeah, I, I think a lot of the problem does come from the script because the animation is so good and so nice to look at. So I would say, you know, your biggest lump of coal here is like, bring put some life, put some more ups and downs. You know, you have threats in your script here and you've got villains and you're, you're putting villains on top of already another antagonist of the movie either thin it out or figure it out or you know you've got some magic in it but not a lot of magic so there's like a half measure there it's like either consistency or like definitely peaks and valleys of something that your script is just lacking something that i can't grab onto here thus making the entire watching experience you know not anything i can latch onto. so fix your script before you make a movie (laughs) yeah i gotta agree with that i think that's a good one that's a good lump of coal I'm going to go with something positive in this. I'm going to just put in Jeremy the Crow. It's uh, my man, Dom DeLuise. Well, not really. I mean, I haven't found Miss Wright yet. But when I do, the whole world will hear us singing. Excuse me. Pardon me. (coughs) Well, you keep making all that noise and Dragon will hear you. If he hasn't already. Wouldn't you sing too? I mean, if you felt... If you felt the call of the wild, but... I would, I would not, if I knew there was a cat nearby. But, but she's out there, somewhere. And when I find her, I'll feel it way down in my wishbone. I, what cat? Dragon. Uh, kind of easy, safe pick for me, anytime he's on screen. But, you know, his character, at the end, when he finds his... One of his characteristics in this is looking for love. So he bumps into another crow, a female crow that is like, uh, you know, is kind of a, a klutz, just yeah, like him. Yeah, it's like a, a inverse uh, Dom DeLuise character. Yeah, you know, like klutzy, uh, goofy character, you know. I feel like you could have had a 20-minute cartoon, you know, spinoff show where Jeremy's kind of the lead character. You know, yeah. like, and, and I would watch it. But Brisby and them would be in it, you know, the kids and everything, but... They wouldn't be the main part of it. Right. They're just everything's fine with them. And then you just see them and you're like, all right, cool, everything's yeah. good. <laughs> and then but when we follow his story. They're like, Hello, Jeremy, let me tell you about your day. Yeah, sorry, gotta go. I work for a delivery company now. Bye. <laughs> um, I gotta go on my adventures. 
But there was a sequel. We did get a sequel in 1998 yes. to this movie, Secret of Nim 2, which had no involvement from any of the original people. Nope. But I didn't, I've never seen it. Neither have I. Mean, I. I've never come across it. Uh, the cover looks familiar. I think I remember when it mm-hmm. came out. I probably saw trailers for it uh, on other stuff I was renting as a kid because uh, I was eight then. So that was definitely the market. But uh, I don't think I ever saw that one. I think in 2000, they came out with a DVD release of Secret and M. And it was kind of like a big deal. They're like, oh, Secret and M, you know, the childhood classic is coming to DVD. And then that's when I kind of first saw like, wait, they made a direct-to-video sequel? Yeah. I had no idea. But apparently Timmy is the protagonist. Hmm. Interesting. Like the main character, I wonder if he has like the amulet and he's doing more magic. I don't know. I don't know anything about it. Yeah, I, I don't. I looked it up on Wikipedia very briefly. I was like, "Isn't there another one?" And I looked, and I, I thought there might be more than two, but there is only the two. I think. I think. I think they were trying to reboot this or something. Yeah, there was point. something I read about that too on the Wikipedia where it was like a, a remake in like 2015 was supposed to happen, but I never did. Clearly didn't. Um, it was called like the Rats in Them. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Which again, to me, I'm like, I don't. I guess that it was going to be a prequel. I don't know. I don't know. Like, I don't, you've already told the story. What's yeah, the point? I don't know. I could see this being though, like end up being a Netflix series or something. If they reboot it, like the kind of the dark crystal route. I don't know. Is there a big enough audience for a reboot, a secret and M? I think people like, like this movie. I think people who grew up with this movie like this, I think this has some legs, but yeah, I think eighties babies, who haven't seen this in a while will probably listen to us and be like, you guys don't know what you're talking about. And I'm like, well, rewatch it, then come and talk. If you still like it, okay. I mean, I just, I, uh, to me, it's, I grew up with it and I thought I'd like it a lot more. And then I rewatched it and I was like, mm, this is a little boring. Yeah, I think, I'll, I don't know. I guess my reaction to it, like if it's just a personal bias thing or if it is something I recommend, I don't know. But if people like it, that's great. That's fine. You can have this. But this is just not my world. So. Well, I think this is one of these films where I can sit back and appreciate like the talent. I can look at them and go, yeah, that's amazing animation. This movie's beautiful, but it's boring. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's where I'm at too. Like I'm just not into it. Like I just I can look at it and be like, pretty, but. Shiny only goes so far. <laughs> I think yeah, there's there's a lot of movies though that I look at it like that and I'm like, yeah, that's a really pretty movie. Yeah, you want to watch it? No, not really. Yeah, I would never watch this again. Like I would never buy this. Secret I find him. Like, never. One thing like one movie like Warrants of Arabia. I, I've had people they're like, oh you you've seen that right? And I'm like, yeah, I've seen it. I don't ever want to watch it again though. I'm like, I remember it being gorgeous. But it's boring as shit. Yeah. I did not like that movie either. Like, I just, it's boring. It, I get it. I get why it's, you know, it, why it's so beloved and stuff. Like, I'm not I'm not missing the point of the movie. It's just not for me. <laughs> shit like that just bores me. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, sorry. That's just how I feel. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and my opinion means more than you. Yeah. Hey, yo. <laughs> that's why we have a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Kidding. Sorry. <laughs> but yeah. that, that'll end it for the week that's all we got for it uh, i do find this funny because last week we did wizards which was all over the place fun jazz kind of crazy then you had this one which was very you know one tone going throughout it and the next week 
We're we, all over the place. We're yeah. It's now like, we're diving into the crazy. <laughs> Whoa! What's going on? Crazy pond. Yeah. But next week will be a little bit different. Uh, it's going to be our first video. Uh, you can catch us on YouTube. I might put the audio up in Podbean, but might, really, I might, whatever. Might as well. Fuck it. Might it as won't well. make as much sense because we're gonna be, you know, we're gonna be holding the video in our hand, and we're gonna be showing clips of the show. So, but whatever, whatever. Some of you just want to, you know, ride on the train or walk and listen to us. Some of it won't make sense. You'll be fine. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll have an audio option for you. <laughs> yeah, why not? Because we're a podcast first. Yeah. But we're gonna, you're gonna get to see our faces. I hope you, we don't uh, break your screens, and uh, we, you know, you're gonna have to put up with it. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna try it out. We're gonna see. We're gonna see if you like it. Guaranteed, it gets a lot more views than we get listens on the podcast. Guaranteed. You think so? Oh yeah. All right. But, I mean, we're we have. I can't believe that we have the amount of subscribers that we have, and basically, we just put a podcast up in trailers. Yeah, uh, it'll be interesting. I'll, I'll be real interested in seeing the numbers on this. Like, oh, but, I can't wait for the comments. But and then the comments too, where we're gonna be told to go kill ourselves. Because... <laughs> Greatest comment I've ever gotten: Go into a closet and shoot yourself. <laughs> Why am I going in the closet? <laughs> oh Lord, yeah, bring it on though. Let's get weird. <laughs> Hell yeah. yeah, especially like the people where English is their second language, and I can't quite tell what they're trying to say. <laughs> but they're trying to tell you to kill yourself. <laughs> yeah. It always comes down to me being horrible, Matt being horrible, or kill yourself. Yes, yes, pretty Which, much. I don't believe your life has been threatened. Not yet, but it will. But I, I, we have a lot of opinions here, so eventually I'm going to strike the wrong chord. <laughs> right on, let's wrap it up. Uh, you can catch us on Facebook, like I said, next week. We're going to be YouTube, but you can always get us on YouTube. Podbean, email us at analogjonestof.com. Matt will maybe reply to you. Maybe. 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 If you give me something stupid, I'm not going to do it. But if you send me something worthwhile, maybe then I will. <laughs> so don't send stupid shit. <laughs> oh, please do. Uh, yeah, that's 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 how I monitor the emails. <laughs> right on. Remember to be kind. And rewind. <laughs>